0: Talking about love for about oh I think two or three times, and I want to continue tonight to talk about love, and we're talking about love kind of in, from a little different way than we ever have before, and um, <clears throat> we've talked extensively in the last few weeks about how much God loves us, Amen, and that we are we're so loved, and that we have to get a revelation of how much God loves us before we can ever really be effective in loving people. Before we can take the risk to love people. We talked about that last week how you know I can I can risk loving you because I know I'm loved. I know God loves me, so I can re- risk loving you. And Or or somebody just on the street, knowing that they may not receive it just like I would like for them to, but I can just go ahead and do it anyway because I'm secure in the fact that God loves me. And we all have to get to that point where we're so secure that God loves us that we can give our love away freely, not having to worry or measure or fret about whether you're going to act right towards me. But just just being secure, you know. There's an old song that we used to sing when we first got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and it said, "I am loved, you are loved. I can risk loving you because the one that knows us best loves us most." Amen. And so there is a risk in love, but I can just take that risk because I know I'm loved. And so we're but we're talking about uh, loving and showing our love to other people, and. Mm-hmm how much we flow in the love of God towards other people will determine how much, uh, we are able to have the benefits of God's word, uh, flowing in our lives. In other words, you can't make the word work apart from walking in love. The Bible says faith worketh by love. So without walking in love towards others, and we can't pick and choose either and say, well, you know, I I walk in love to you, but I don't walk in love to you. And then try to make the word work in our lives. No, we're going to have to take the person in our lives that it's hardest for us to love. And with the grace of God and with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, begin to to do that and to, to move towards that and to change. It's going to require change and it's not always easy to walk in love. Tonight I want to talk about loving people with material goods. In other words, showing the love of God in a practical way with material things. And I'm going to read from uh, 1 John chapter 3 and uh, verse 17. You know, we, <clears throat> we have to... The Bible says that faith without works is dead. So we can say we love... But we, there's 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 going to be corresponding action if we truly do love, isn't there? First John chapter three, verse seventeen and eighteen, says, "But whoso hath this world's goods and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him?" My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We're to love in both word and deed, aren't we? We can't be walking in love if our words aren't loving. But we can't be walking in love if we're saying "I love you," but our deeds don't line up to that. I want you to notice there in chapter in verse uh, seventeen. But whoso haveth this world's goods, one version said, "Whoso has plenty, who, whosoever has plenty for himself." Whoso has plenty for himself, and then it says there, and seeth his brother, say brother. Brother, brother seeth his brother in need. That means your brother and sister in Christ. Sure. That means somebody that you know is your brother and sister in Christ. Jesus said, the poor you will have with us always. And... Uh, we are not necessarily to meet the need of every poor person we see. Every person standing by the red light holding up a sign that says we'll work for food. Or, We are to be led by the Spirit where those people are concerned, definitely. But you don't know whether that's your brother and sister in Christ or not. This is not talking, I'm not brothers and sisters with everybody in the world. I am brothers and sisters with everybody in this room. You're my brother. You're my sister. And when I see your uh, need, and if I shut up my bowels of compassion, amen, and I don't meet your need if I know you have a need, and I may not be able to meet your need. Amen. Amen. But I, I'm, but one thing I can always do is pray for you. Some of you sometimes get some pretty big needs that I couldn't take care of financially. But one thing I can do is I can pray for you, can I? I can't. I don't have. I don't. I don't just have to say I love you. Now, if I have enough to meet to help you with the, with your need, and or to help you with your situation, I'm not to shut up my bowels of compassion, am I? That's what the Word of God says. Um, see, my brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion. I want you to notice there, that it's me that determines whether my bowels of compassion or my heart, whether my heart's shut or open. Amen. Amen. And I have to keep my heart open. It's important that I keep my heart open. It's that I don't shut up my heart. If I shut up my heart, I tell you, then the love of God, which bends jet abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost, is going to dry up. Oh, I got out of my wash pan, didn't I? <laughs> Get back in the wash pan. <laughs> anyway, the love of God it's going to dry up. It's going to shrivel. It's going to shrink. It's not going to be flowing and multiplying. If I shut up my heart towards my brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I have to, uh, watch that, don't I? Cause it's up to me. Um, it says, um, that we're to love indeed and in, and also in word. Um, Sharing our possessions with others moves us from the talking about love stage to the doing it stage. It takes us to another dimension. It's one thing to talk love. It's another thing to do love, isn't it? And so we have to go into that other dimension. You know, in the world, world people that don't know Jesus, they love things and use people to get things. Amen. The world, as a general rule, and I know there are people that are exceptions depending on how they were raised, but without the love of Jesus in our heart, without Jesus Christ in our heart, we will naturally be selfish. Amen. Amen. It's just a natural thing. It's easy to be selfish. And so the world loves things and uses people to get things. But as Christians, we're to love people and use things to bless people. Amen. Amen. And we need to get our keep our perspective straight in that. And see we live in this world. We're not of this world, but we live here. And you know, there's an atmosphere. When you go to work, there's an atmosphere around you. When you go to school, there's an atmosphere around you. And that atmosphere is usually not Christ-like. It's usually a worldly atmosphere. It's a, pastor says it this way, the world has a, has a they believe in get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. In other words, they don't usually have a sharing mentality. Little kids, you know, we try to teach our children to share. Amen? But sharing's a step, is a world's concept, really. Because I don't need to just share with you, I need to give to you. Share implies we're both going to use it. Doesn't it? In other words, I'll share my hamburger with you implies I'm going to eat half. Amen? Amen? But if I give you my hamburger, that's Christ. That's Jesus. Amen. And so sometimes we want to teach children to share. Um, but anyway, we need to uh, not let that atmosphere of the world of loving things and using people to get things get on us. We have to guard against that. And we have to uh, learn to to. Use our material blessings to be a blessing to people. Now, this was something the Lord had to teach me when I first got baptized in the Holy Ghost because I'll tell you why. I was an only child. Only children don't usually have to share, do they? And so I didn't have to learn to share with brothers and sisters. And I didn't like to share very much. And um, I know my mom and dad had a lot of friends, and some of their friends were older than them and their kids were grown. That's the kind of friends I liked for them to have best. And some of their friends were younger than them and had kids littler than me. And you know, when I was at the age of Barbie dolls and I had a bunch of Barbie dolls, I had Barbie and Ken and Midge and Skipper and I don't know what all. I had the whole crew. And anyway, but when my mother and dad's friends who had little kids were coming over to the house, my Barbie dolls went in their box and went in the top of the closet. Now, I'm not kidding. That's how I was. I was an only child. I don't want those kids messing with my things. don't want them tearing up anything. And so when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, God began to try to teach me how to use my things to bless others. And the first thing he did was call on us. And this was before there was any such thing as a full gospel spirit filled church, interdenominational church. The only, and so we began to have a Bible study once a week in our home. And I had to learn to share my home with other people. And you know, to uh, risk the things that go on when you have a pretty small living room, probably about the size of that section of chairs, and you put 25 people in there, well, you you know, things can happen. And then they have their kids with them. And I can remember really having to pray and seek God and say, God, because I'd be at, not at peace just at the thought of those kids being back in a bedroom in my house and what they could be tearing up. And, you know, and God began to work that out of me where, I been, where he got me to the point where I realized that everything I had, he had given me. And you know that there was not anything those kids that could tear up that he wouldn't replace. Now that doesn't mean we let them go back there and swing from the chandeliers or anything, but you know that just in the general course of playing, that that we could be at peace in our house, amen. And so God had to teach me that he had to he had to work out of me where I was able to use my things to bless people and not be in turmoil that somebody was going to tear something up. Or somebody was going to spill something on the carpet. And he had me use my home a lot. He had me had a ladies' meeting in my home. I remember one time we had a ladies' meeting on a, on a morning in my home. And I, it was a new home, had new carpet, just kind of like this. I mean, not this, not like this, but about this color. I remember a lady came in, and she had been walking through a tar uh, parking lot, a new asphalt parking lot, and we didn't see it when she came in. But where she sat in the chair, where she, le- I guess she sat there and moved her feet back and forth the whole time. We you know just how you'll do. And when she left, there's this big black spot in the carpet, you know, and uh uh God's teaching me. Okay. Stay in peace. Okay. I remember one time we got new linoleum in our kitchen and the man, we got a new refrigerator too. And the man that delivered the refrigerator, he dug, he just ripped up this brand new linoleum. And I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me and he said, Debbie, if you'll trust me, I'll fix it. I'll take care of it. Cause you normally, you know, I could have been, like a wild woman, you know, or something, you know, just just overreact in a major way because, you know, my things. And so God's teaching me, you know, how to walk in love towards people, how to stay in peace about my things. And now Pastor and I are to the point where uh, we say, you know, we can't be stolen from. Now, I don't mean we just leave everything open when we leave the house, but we lock our doors in a normal fashion. But you can't steal from us. You can't take anything from us that God won't give us back better. Amen. And you know, uh, one time we got a brand new Suburban. I remember that was right after we got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And it was just brand spanking new. And my mom and her husband and my grandparents were going to go camping in Rio Dosa. We had one of those pop-up campers. And we'd always pull that with our cars. But we had a new Suburban. And so guess what they asked? And it was like five days old. Can we borrow your new Suburban? I remember it took... all the faith I could muster to say, yes, you can take my new car. But you know, God worked that out of me. And to this day, pastor and I have given our cars, loaned our cars out so many times. And we don't even think about it. It bothers us none. We've sent people to Dallas. Just say, no, take our car when their car wasn't good. You drive our car and just take our car. And you know, it's just so much better to be free. It's so much better to be free with your things and be able to bless people than to be clamped down like I used to be. And so we're talking about blessing people and loving people with our things. Um, So we got our heart here and we can choose to open our heart. And I had to make a lot of choices. I can't tell you, we had Bible study on Thursday evening. I can't tell you how many Thursday afternoons I'm having down on my knees praying through to share my house, to share my things. But you know, I found out something a long time ago. We go to all this trouble to decorate our homes. Sometimes we put up the most elaborate Christmas. Decorations and not have a soul over. You know it's not even any fun if you're not going to have people in your home to decorate your home. What are we decorating for? Amen. What are we believing God for new sofas and new chairs? What are we? Why? So we can. We ought to be doing it so we can bless people. Amen? And with what you have to do if you want God to increase you is you have to take the old sofa that you bought in the garage sale, because that's the kind I had. That's the kind I had. My sofa came from the garage sale and cost $75 in the garage sale. And it was plenty ugly. But you have to take that sofa and bless people with it. Have people over to sit on your $75 garage sale sofa. Amen? And that was an upgrade from the one that came in our mobile home And y'all know what mobile home furniture is like sometimes especially in 1973 Now they that was back when they weren't mobile homes. They were trailer houses I mean and 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 now that furniture I mean you could sit on it and when you sat on you went to the floor There was no cushion, you know And that was an upgrade when we got the $75 garage sale couch, but we used our home to bless people So we need to learn to love people with our things, don't we? So we don't want to close our heart now, there's several reasons that people close their hearts when it comes to their things or their money. And one of them is selfishness. Um, and, and sometimes, even in the prosperity message, it's easy to get too aggressive about getting the desires of our heart and become selfish. In other words, we're too, we, get, we can be too aggressive about obtaining those desires. God wants us to have the desires of our heart. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you goodly houses. But, you know, the purpose of him giving you all of it is for you to be a blessing to other people. And if you have to hurt other people in order to get it, you've gotten too aggressive. Amen. And so we can be so aggressive about our prosperity. In Proverbs 28:20, 20, it says, when a man gets in a hurry to get rich, that it brings him trouble. See, when we get in a hurry to get rich, the first thing we'll do is we'll cut off, we'll, we'll, we'll say, well, I can't tithe right now, and I can't give, so we'll cut the Lord off. But then we'll, if we get too big a hurry we, to get rich, we can say, well, I, I really can't help other people right now, because after all, I'm getting rich. After all, I'm, I'm getting the desires of our heart. I'm getting us a new house, a new car. I don't have anything to share. I can't give. See, I've gotten too aggressive. I've gotten out of balance. And I've gotten um, too, I'm getting in too big a hurry. See, the faith thing about prosperity is a process. Amen? It, it's a process. And you know, I've even seen people carry it to the extreme that they got so aggressive about getting rich... Proverbs 28, 20 says the man that's in a hurry to get rich is going to come into trouble and that they cut their kids off, their own children. In other words, no, you know, you can't, we can't, you can't have this because I'm in a hurry to get rich. I know we had a man in our church one time, long, you, you wouldn't know. So, I mean, this is long, long before y'all. And this man, he was too aggressive and too big a hurry to get rich And uh, he, he didn't provide, but he was a single parent and he had two high school aged children, one boy and one girl and high school aged children have needs. They have, they have, they have more than needs. They, they are, they have a, there's something you have to supply them, you know, and uh, you know, you may can get by with some things when your kid's two and three, what you dress your kids in when they're two and three is really for your satisfaction. Not they don't care. You know, Carter's favorite thing to wear is a diaper and nothing else. Well, actually, he, he, he would do without that if we'd let him, you know. But he, he just loves to just have no clothes on. Amen? I mean, so when we dress him up, we do it for us. Amen. We don't do it for him. He don't care what he wears, you know. But when they get, you know, when you get to high school, even though I don't think we should dress like the world necessarily and our little girls don't need to look like the world's little girls. But I'll tell you something. We need to give them what it takes so they don't stand out and look like nerds, if that's a word. Is that, is that back in my day or something? You were a nerd. Oh, oh, no, 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 Kevin. Kevin, you were never a nerd. You're too cool to be a nerd. Amen. (laughs) Anyway, so, but, you know, this man, I remember his old daughter, he wouldn't let her buy a palm dress. Now this is a man that's got a job in the oil field. I mean, he's got a good paying job and he works in, in, in the oil field and he's got, and he will why he's gotten too aggressive about being rich and he's not providing for his child. I'm telling you this Mark's kids, his kids won't have anything to do with him now, you know, amen. amen. So we can get in too big a hurry to be rich and we can be get selfish. Another thing that will um, cause us to to shut up our heart when it comes to using our material things to help people and to love people is fear. Sometimes we're not selfish. We'd like to bless people, but we're fearful. We got a fear of lack. Our heart says, "Give your, give this to so-and-so and you go, oh yeah, but I might need it. When your heart kind of clamps down, you oh, I might need it. What if we don't have enough for groceries next week? What about the insurance that's coming due? You know, every three months you get a car insurance bill. What about that? You know, and you begin to have a fear of lack, and you can't open your heart, your bowels of compassion, and show the love of God to people. So, you know, these are some things that can keep us from opening up. Now I want to talk from a little bit different perspective for a minute, you know, about what those simple acts of kindness that people do for us, how when you show someone and give someone from your material possessions, whether it be a gift or or, a, or finances or whatever, that those things make us feel loved and make us feel valuable. I shared with you last week some of the things that people had done in my life and given me that made me feel loved. Made me feel valuable. And the things that they did that I didn't even, um, you know, um, they didn't even know that I needed them to do it. They did it spontaneously. They did it out of the heart. They really did it led by the Spirit. Even though many times they didn't know they were. I know one time we went, uh, uh, Pastor, Pastor and I dated from the time we were sophomores, I was a sophomore, he was a junior in high school. And when he graduated from high school, he went to West Texas State and I was still a senior. And so my mom and her best friend and me, now I wouldn't recommend this, but you gotta understand this is 1972. And uh, we went up to a thing called Paladura Canyon, which was 10 miles from the university. It's sort of like a mini, mini, mini Grand Canyon. And we went, we went and camped there, just us three women, for the weekend in a tent. I can't believe we did that, looking back. But anyway, we they that my mom and her best friend cooked that up so that we get to, I get to see Michael, and that. Um, They were artists, and they were going to paint down in the Paladura Canyon in the state park. And so we went there, and I remember that there was a man there in a big, big motor home, him and his wife. And he was a big businessman from Amarillo, from Scott Lumber Company, and he also had a... um, A a construction business, and and I remember he started talking to Michael and I, and he began to share with us things influencing us to make something of our lives. And uh, when we left there, you know, he asked our name and address. And I remember when I got home, and I was a senior in high school, that about. Five or days later or so, I got a letter, like a five or six page letter from this man. He's an older man, probably in his late fifties or sixties. I mean older compared to a little eighteen year old girl. Anyway, and so he had written me this like five or six page letter, and it was just about you know, make something of your life, encouraging me. And you know what it made happen what it did for me? It made me feel valuable. It made me feel like that somebody that didn't even know me could see that I had potential. Amen. And so, you know, those things that we do for other people, they we just never know how far reaching they are, how valuable they are in people's lives, how they touch people in their heart, how they change their lives for the better. So I want to encourage you to... Uh, be aware of that. And you know, you don't always have to have a word from the Lord to give. In fact, that's where sometimes people mess up is they're waiting for a word for the Lord to give. You know, what we ought to do is, is have a word from the Lord not to give. Just give unless God tells us not to. Amen. Just, you know, it's just hardly ever wrong to give. Now, I'm going to read to you tonight from 2 Corinthians. Colin was, I tell you, he was about spiritual tonight. We got the same scripture. 2 Corinthians. He was just over there flowing in the Holy Ghost. Second, I'm going to read to from you, to you from my new Bible. I got me a new version. I got that version that Robert Scales talked about the whole time, the New Living Bible, the New Living Translation. The the Living Bible is a paraphrase. This is a translation, the New Living Translation. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, y'all can just listen. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously... Will get a generous crop. You must each make up your own mind as to how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, godly people give generously to the poor, their good deeds will never be forgotten. For God is the one who gives seed to the farmer and then breads to eat. In the same way, he will give you many opportunities to do good. He will give you many opportunities to do good, and he will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched so that you can give even more generously. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will break out in thanksgiving to God. So two good things will happen. The needs of the Christians in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express the thanksgiving to God. You will be glorifying God through your generous gifts for your generosity to them will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the wonderful grace of God shown through you. Thank God for his son, a gift too wonderful for words. So God's going to give us opportunities, many opportunities to give and to be generous with the material things that he has given us. I tell you something else that keeps people from sharing their material goods is what uh, I call... um, um, Uh, well, I guess we could say it this way. It's really, it's really procrastination. What it is, is saying, uh, maybe someday or I can't right now, Lord, but when the kids get out of college, I can't right now, Lord, but soon as Christmas is over and that's really procrastination. And sometimes because we intend to do something later, we don't see that as being disobedient to the Lord. You know, we a lot of times are praying about finances and praying about, Lord, make me a blessing. You know, have you ever heard that song, Lord, make me a blessing? But you know, there's really no point in praying that or singing that if we don't take what we have today and be a blessing with it. You know, there's nobody that doesn't have something to give. It might just be a pack of gum, it might just be a ballpoint pen that somebody gave you free. You know, it might just be something like that, but we all have something that we can give. And you know, it ministers to people and it touch people when we show the love of God with our material giving. Um, we need to cultivate in our hearts a greater desire to give. If we're only tithers, then we are only doing what is legislated or what is obligated. And I can remember when before we were baptized, you know, when we got baptized in the Holy Ghost and I heard somebody say the baptism in the Holy Ghost is the divine power and ability and might of God to live the Christian life and fulfill his will. And that truly was for us because before I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I didn't really love people. I mean, it was so obvious that when I went to my Sunday school class after I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, they said, man, you've changed. I mean, I guess I was loving for the first time ever, you know. I didn't mean, you know, I didn't mean not to be, but I just didn't have a flow coming out of my heart. But baptism in the Holy Ghost, something started flowing out of my heart. And from the time we got baptized in the Holy Ghost, you know, nobody had to teach us... We didn't have good teaching back in those days and nobody had to teach us about giving and receiving, about sowing and reaping. I tell you, we had just a desire to give came over us. And we had never, we had just always done a nominal little offering in a, you know, the little envelopes that you take to Sunday school. That's all we'd ever done was a nominal little offering, you know, just a little tip for God. Because you know, on the little envelope you take to Sunday school, you check uh, attendance and uh, daily Bible reading, and uh, what else? Uh, offering. Bring your Bible. Bring your Bible. You got. You know. And we wanted to put a check in the little square, and so we gave a little tip to God, a little nominal offering. So we and you know, that's all we ever did as far as giving. But when we got baptized in the Holy Ghost, we didn't even have to have the Word of God taught to us. It just wanted to flow out of us. We wanted to give. Amen? It just happened. I mean, and you know, if you just do what's flowing out of your heart, you'll just be a giver. Hallelujah. Amen? If you don't shut up your bowels of compassion because of fear of lack or because of procrastination, I'm putting that off until we get some things paid off. The way you get out of debt is to give yourself out, not save yourself out. Pastor and I learned that a long time ago. You can give yourself out of debt. That's it's a lot more quick than saving yourself out. Because you get God's supernatural power involved in it. Not trying to figure it out. Don't try to figure out how to get out of debt. I can't figure it out, can y'all? I can't figure it out. Amen. So you just give your way on through it. Hallelujah. And so uh, uh, just letting that greater desire to give, even stirring it up more, stirring it up more than it used to be, becoming greater givers than we've ever been before. Not just giving what we're obligated to give, the tithe. Not Oh, I was going to tell you this. Before I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, when we'd go to buy Christmas gifts, I'd like, okay, what's the least I could spend on this person? I thought like that. Or and now, and I would, or we might say, now do we have to give them something? No, we don't need to, you know, no, no, no. We don't have to give them something. And so we didn't give them anything. And what we would do, what I would do, now I know y'all are gonna think, boy, she was not a heathen. I saved. I was actually saved and did this. Uh, but I would wrap up a few gifts and put them under the tree and put no name on them. And so if somebody did give me something, I could say, oh, this is yours. But, you know, I'm not going to give you anything unless you give me something, huh? Boy, it takes work to be so devious and so uh, so uh, tight and so stingy and, you know. And a lot of it was motivated out of fear. Amen. Uh, And, you know, all of us are baptized in the Holy Ghost. There shouldn't be any of us that have succumbed to that spirit of fear or that procrastination or that, uh, you know, that selfishness, that selfish spirit. Let it get on us. I mean, sometimes uh, I know uh, people do that at the table, you know, when the tip comes. It's like how much how what's the least we can do for this person? And I know a lot of people don't even realize how the tip system works. They don't realize that those people are not making minimum wage, that they're working for tips. Amen. Amen. They don't realize that a lot of times. I know we went out with some people not too long ago. Not anybody here, so don't anybody get in a panic. And we all had steaks that were sixteen ninety-five apiece, four of us. Boy, were they ever good. And and you know what they left on the table? $2. $2. And we worked the waitress like a big dog, you know. And I tell you, and so pastor's always trying to figure out how to get some more money on the table without them seeing it. So he's kind of like, you know... (laughs) Put some, and I remember this person said, I'd already left the tip. Oh, well, we'll just give her a little extra blessing. You know, it's like, you know, I'm, it's like, wow. You know, they poison your food if you only leave $2. The next time you come, your food is poison. <laughs> no, just joking. <laughs> but you don't want to risk it, do you? <laughs> After all, they're probably not Christian and they might, you know, you never know. <laughs> anyway, so no, we're to be living to give. You know, we're to excel in giving. Come on. And you know, I want to say this tonight. Uh I I heard this on TV. This is not original to me, but and it's really true. Half of the gift is in the presentation. And sometimes we can go, we can get a gift, but we don't do a very good job of presenting the gift. And we need to, we need to take the time. I want to talk to, can I talk to the men tonight? I want to tell you, you know, sometimes the men, amen, somebody said, the men will go to some nice uh, department store and buy a nice gift for their wife and then bring it in in a paper sack. And come out of their closet with a paper sack. Now, I want to give you just a little advice. I tell you, it means everything to me if it's wrapped. And I would just encourage you to buy your wife's gifts someplace where they will, for $4 extra at Dillard's, they'll wrap it really nice, amen? Or I don't know what they charge at Parisian or McRae's, but all those places will gift wrap for you guys. I know you don't know how. I know it's hard. And I know even when Pastor brings a gift home, he'll say, well, now, where is the wrapping paper? I feel like I've wrapped it myself. Where's the wrapping paper? Where's the bows? Do you have a box, you know? And I'm like, um... And it's like, uh, honey, in fact, I think I told him this recently because he actually bought something at Dillard's, walked out, and didn't have them gift wrap it. And I'm like, they would have wrapped it for you. And it would have been so pretty and so nice, you know, and Dillard's really does have pretty gift wrap. I recommend their gift wrap over all others. I know it's not free, but it's, you know, you get what you pay for. Amen. But, you know, the presentation of gifts is everything. And it's not just the presentation of wrapping paper. You know, it is also the words that we present with our gifts. You know, we we need to make sure that, you know, we say something, you know, you're a blessing to me or something. You know, let the Spirit of God lead us, but present those things correctly. And the Bible says that our gifts make room for us. Some of you guys, there'd be more room in the house. You could make room for yourself with some gifts. Amen. Amen. And I got a real big revelation here tonight. It doesn't have to be Christmas, birthday, and it doesn't have to be anniversary to buy something and have it wrapped and bring it home. Amen. It doesn't have to be. And we should excel in our giving towards one another, but also we should be willing to give to people that we don't even know. You know, those are, the, those are sometimes the really special things that God is able to use us in. Of course, you know, I've seen people that really excelled in giving to others and then shortchanged their family. I, I'm thinking of one family in particular that every Christmas, now you talk about getting a, this person, this lady, this group, these people were, the kids grew up so warped. One of them is gay and one of them uh, was suicidal, literally. Because Mama and Daddy at Christmas would say, "We're just not going to give gifts to each other. We all have plenty, and I'm sure they did. We're going to give the money to the Buckner Baptist Children's home. man you you'll have you'll have freaks, you'll grow freaks for kids if you do things like that. Amen. So we're not to leave our family out in and we're to be a blessing to those that are near us. I tell you, I think something's I, I think something's real wrong in a family. Now y'all say I'm meddling, it's none of my business, and I don't know anybody, but when the wife goes and buys her own gift, wraps it and puts it under the tree. Something wrong with that picture, you know. Uh-oh, boy, it got quiet in this church. <laughs> some of you have tried that. And, you know, I know Pastor and I at different times have said, now this year we're not going to buy gifts and we're going to get ourselves a TV or something or we're going to get ourselves a microwave. I remember when microwaves were new. And, you know, how do you surprise somebody with, I mean, you know, he wants me to get the one I want, you know, so it's hard to surprise with some things. But, you know, that should be an occasional thing you do. If every year you just go pick it out, you know, if there's never something flowing from your husband's heart to you, and if there's never something flowing from you to your husband, amen? And we know we, there's ways to learn what they want. There's You can learn your wife. You, you say, well, I can't please her. Well, you can pray and get a revelation. You might have to pray a while. I mean, I know some women are hard to please. I've known some that it wouldn't matter what you buy them, it wouldn't please them. Amen. But I tell you, even if they take it back, you know, let something flow out of your heart to them. And I, I know we have a rule at our house, even with our kids. We tell them, we say now, you know, and because clothes are expensive. How many of you know? And I just hate to buy my kids clothes and them hanging in the closet. So we have a rule. Man, if you open anything you don't like, it won't hurt our feelings. Take it back. Amen. But if you know, if we, we can also pray and get a revelation. Amen. And, you know, Chris says, I can buy her clothes. She said, I know, that's just amazing that you can buy me clothes because my mom can't buy me clothes. But I can buy Chris clothes. I'm I'm sure she had not liked everything I've ever bought, but I've hit her a few times, okay? So so we can get a revelation from the Lord on giving. And we live to give and we can excel, excel in our giving. Now, we can also give away things that we don't want anymore. Nothing wrong with that. I don't think that we should have a lot of clutter around our house. I think we should give away the things we don't want or use and give them to people. But, you know, there's a, if that's all we ever give, we ought to also give nice things sometimes. I want to talk to you that sometimes we need to give things that are personally we really like and we really love. Things that we enjoy that are in our home. Or that we're wearing. Or jewelry that we like. We ought to give those kind of things away sometimes. And I want to tell you why. Because when you give something that you're not just tired of anymore, give that stuff too. And don't be a clutter bug. Don't collect stuff. Don't save something for, we might need it sometime. <laughs> clutter is, I think clutter's demonic. And I know that clutter brings confusion. Amen. And clutter makes your house dirty. And clutter is hard to clean up, makes your house hard to clean. Amen. Makes your house look crowded. So, you know, get that stuff out there. Don't save it. Give it away. Amen. Have the attitude, well, if we need that in four or five years, we'll buy another one. Because you know what happens is you can't remember you have it and you end up buying a new one anyway. Or you can't find it. You remember you have it. You can't find it amongst all the clutter. But that's kind of giving. But sometimes we ought to find things that we still love, that minister to us, that we oh, and we ought to give those things away. And the reason is this: is because that is what Jesus did. He gave till it hurt. And when you give something you still love, you know what? It kind of hurts. It kind of mm, that be that's so pretty on me. That looks so pretty in my house, but it, if we and here's but here's the thing now, Jesus gave till it hurt. He went to the cross, and died for us, and gave till it hurt. And what happened? He had a resurrection. And when we give till it hurts. We have a resurrection in our finances. And some people's finances are dead and they don't know why because they're just giving what they're obligated to give, the tithe, and they don't give till it hurts. They're never getting a resurrection in their finances. When you give things you really love, I guarantee you, you'll have a resurrection. Things will start flowing that have never flown before. I'm not talking about going to the store and buying something. That's another, that's a whole nother level. I know, you know, I got to, I tell y'all all all my selfish stories and y'all are thinking how, and I really was. I mean, now Colin was dressed and he says he hates to hear this, but it was true. I mean, he had everything, If you know, whatever stores we had in Lubbock and Brownfield, he had everything to wear they had. I had like six trash cans full of two toddler. I'm not kidding you. Plastic trash cans. This big, full. And and I had 18 months. I had two toddler. I had three toddler. I had four toddler. And I cannot give these clothes away. I'm, I'm selfish, see. I was selfish. It wasn't fear of lack. It was just plain old selfishness. He had, all these, he had clothes that still had tags on them. Because he had too many clothes, more clothes than a kid could wear. So, you know, I think sometimes we hoard to our own lack. So then Eric's five years younger. Well, Eric comes along. And you know what? We, we had, by that time, had gone in the ministry. We were farmers when we were buying all these clothes. I was buying all these clothes. I don't know if Pastor knew how much I was buying. <laughs> but anyway, Eric, we come along. And so here I am. I prepared for lack. So guess what I got black. You know, I should have gave them clothes away so Eric could have had all new things to wear. Because Eric comes along and you know, here we got lack in our lives. And so he's having to wear Colin's clothes. Well, Colin, when he was little, bell-bottoms was in style. But by the time Eric came along, you had your kids five years apart. Well, the bell-bottoms were out of style. And I'm talking about little two-toddler bell-bottoms. And um, he had a Mork and Mindy suit. Does anybody remember Mork and Mindy? He had a little Mork and Mindy suit. Oh, was he cute. I'm telling you knew yeah, he was cute in that Mark and Mindy outfit. Little, you know, little yellow and blue, navy blue striped shirt, little jeans, and then uh had little, and then he had a pair of little jeans, had a little hands on. I don't know, just cute stuff. Real cute stuff. I remember some of it, actually. Oh, Barry's cracking up up there. (laughs) You're going to pay for that one, Colin. But anyway, so my mom, you know, took her sewing machine. Miss Thrifty took the bells out of the bell bottoms. You know, she sewed them up so they were straight legs. I prepared for lack. See, sometimes we do that to ourselves. I needed to have a, take the things that I prized and clothes for my kid was one of them. I still like, boy, I have a weakness for baby clothes or something. Anyway, so I prepared for it, though. If I should have took that and, and shared it and spread it abroad, shouldn't I? Amen. Because when we give our blessings, our material blessings away, God sees to it that we don't ever lack. And what we clutch to keep, we, we lose. We end up losing. Amen. We can let go of stuff. You don't have to be afraid somebody's going to steal something out of your yard. If God, if they do, God will replace it. I know somebody told me this week, I don't even really remember what the whole story was, but how somebody's house had burned and how that person was just lamenting. Oh, you know, it's so terrible. You'd never know till you've been through it. And, you know, and, and, you know, I know when the tornado came, some of them just, oh, it's so horrible. And then all this, and I'm like, yeah, I didn't know. I mean, it was horrible and it was a stressful And it the most thing, it was such a major inconvenience to life. And I know you lose some things that baby pictures and stuff that can't be replaced. And I know those are important. They're important to me. But, you know, we prayed as a church, and we asked God to give those tornado people that lost their homes better homes. I tell you, I drove around our neighborhood, and they've all built really nice big homes. And, you know, there's something to be said. I'm not advocating we all have a tornado, but there is something to be said for building a nice new home, getting all new furniture, all new clothes, all new everything. Especially when yours has been, you've been married 25 years, and yours, you have all these towels, you know, with... Where you can see you know hanging up and you see light through your towel i 'm not saying let's have a tornado let 's have a fire you know i I've, I've, I've fig I know sometimes I think people do that. I know there was one house we saw it was for sale for about three years first thing you know it burned down. I'm always suspicious about that kind of stuff. But I'm not advocating we do that. But what I'm saying is, is we don't have to get over there and self-pity. I mean, if you made it out, if you're alive, amen, amen, and your children are alive, and you got a whole new brand new house and all new towels and all new dishes and all new furniture, it's kind of hard for me to feel real sorry for you, except that you do have a major inconvenience in your life. You know, the time and all that that's involved. So I'm saying we need to get a perspective that there ain't nothing can be stolen from us. Amen. And we need to excel in giving and love to give. Be generous in our giving. Sometimes give till it hurts. Clear the stuff out of our house. You know, some of you, if you'd clear the stuff out of your house and just give it away, think of the seed. You know, you're saying, man, I need seed to sow, and you got a house full of stuff. Amen? Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, let's stand up together. We'll end tonight. I don't know what time it is.